Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from Downtown Summer Tunes at Town Square Park in downtown Hattiesburg. This Saturday from 7 p.m., featuring live music and a variety of local vendors. More information at HattiesburgLiveMusic.com. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, August 23rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, community activists reacting to the governor's comments about the state flag and the ones carried during the Charlottesville protests. A joint initiative by state agencies to increase safety measures at school bus stops for students and for drivers. And expert advice on understanding and improving the quality of your water. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Confederate monuments and symbols are at the center of heated debates around the country, while the Mississippi state flag is the basis for passionate pleas in the state. Activists joined at the Capitol Tuesday, objecting to comments made by Governor Phil Bryant. Last week, the governor told WAPT it is wrong to associate the Mississippi flag with the flag supremacists used during the protests in Charlottesville, Virginia. He says, shame on people for treating that political or taking that political stance. Mississippians voted in 2001 to keep the current flag. In a statement, Governor Bryant maintains his position, saying whatever the flag is or is not should be determined by Mississippi voters. Rabbi Matt Dreffen is with the Mississippi Religious Leadership Conference. He says it's time for another vote or change in legislation. Last I checked, legislation changes. The defenders of the flag say you know, we must leave it the way it is because we already voted. The legislature has already done this. But the law of the land is not the law of God. Look how many of our surrounding southern states have realized the folly and the need to remove Confederate symbols from their state flags decades ago. They changed their laws because they knew this powerful concept. Complacency on this issue means complicity. We are complicit in allowing, even promoting the rhetoric of hate and divisive bigotry when we sit on our hands and leave the flag as it is. Groups have been rightly calling for its discontinued use for years. The Central Conference of American Rabbis, of which I am a member, formally stated opposition in 2005. The Southern Baptist Convention called for its removal in 2016. 
Now, in 2017, because of the Mississippi flag's obsolescent design, our fellow Americans think we live in 1964. To live and thrive in our contemporary times, we must immediately lower this banner of intolerance and display it solely in history books and museums. Flags should unify, not divide us. Let us create a new flag, one of solidarity and mutual prosperity, one which we can be proud of because it reflects the deepest value stated in the book of Genesis, that we are all created in the image of God. Every human deserves the respect that comes with having a piece of the divine presence within them. We accept no more half-hearted excuses. They are indefensible. The flag does not represent states' rights or southern culture. We want a Mississippi we can all be proud of, from the citizens on the ground to the flag that flies in the air. Raising a new banner will serve as a symbolic message to all Mississippians, to all the world, that we are no longer the most hateful and most hate-filled state in the Union. We are tired of revisiting the sins of our ancestors on our children. And we can end this by removing the current flag and installing a new one. That's Rabbi Matt Dreffen. Actress and activist Ingenue Ellis was also a guest speaker at the event. She says the flags are identical. What is shame? Painful feeling caused by wrong, doing wrong, or foolish behavior. The flags that flew in Charlottesville had a red union or background. They had 13 white stars crossed in a blue saltire. The flag of the KKK has a red union with 13 white stars crossed in a blue saltire. The canton of the Mississippi state flag is its most prominent part. It's identical to that of the KKK. Only the fly of the flag, the part that waves in the wind, is different. The canton, the heart of the Mississippi state flag, is the same. The fly does not erase the canton. Perhaps Mr. Bryant is suggesting that the principles of the Mississippi state flag are different, and that is why we should feel shame. Let us speak of those principles. The Mississippi Statement of Secession says very clearly our position is thoroughly identified with the position of slavery, the greatest material interest in the world. These are not the ramblings of KKK agitprop. They are the words, the language, the state of Mississippi used to reason their departure from the Union. It is what it thinks of black citizens. We are nothing more than a material interest. Show me the man or woman who can read these words to a black child and not feel shame. Can he feel their inevitable questions without having to give context or hedge or hide or invent? I understand that at some point there has been a commingling of God and this flag love in this flag, honor in this flag, family in this flag. So I understand perhaps the difficulty to separate these ideas, that they become the same idea and to denigrate one is to denigrate the other. If you condemn the flag, then you are condemning my family. If you condemn the flag, then you are condemning my honor. If you condemn the flag, then you are condemning God. I remind you that God does not move in objects. The God, hear me when I say this, the God of the hanged man cannot be the God of the lynched. It is the same flag, but it cannot be the same God. This flag makes no peace. It silences, but it does not make peace. It torments. It terrorizes. If you do not know, you are in denial. 
This is its work. It breeds fear. It closes a mouth that would speak up for what is right. The Klan who wore badges during the day, the White Citizens Council, no longer need ropes and bombs and Jim Crow in this state because they have this flag. It is a de facto segregator. It is an annihilator of justice in our schools, in our voting booths, in our justice system. Mr. Bryant, I am not ashamed. Ellis tells MPB's Alexis Ware she was compelled to respond to the governor's comments. Those are difficult words to say to your citizens that people who made that association with what happened in Charlottesville and our flag should be ashamed of ourselves. We got to respond to that. We have to respond to that. What would you like to see happen regarding the flag to get it removed? Yeah, it has to be taken down. I want the governor to take it down. I want schools across uh, the state of Mississippi to take it down. The flag flies in Washington, D.C. The flag flies at the Super Bowl. I want Roger Goodell to stop flying the flag. It's to stop being flown in Washington, D.C. I want every principal in the state of Mississippi to take it down from their flagpoles. And I want the governor to take it down. He can do that. He can, his conscience, his soul, his heart, he can speak to himself. He doesn't need the state legislature. He can do that on his own because he wants to protect his citizens. And the practical matter is what Charlottesville showed us is that people are dying at this moment in history. People are dying because of the legislature. Legacy of that flag, the, the principles behind it. And if he wants to be responsive and responsible to his citizens, he will make that move. Anjanu Ellis, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you. Thank you. All eight public universities and some municipalities have removed the state flag. Coming up, state agencies plan to keep kids who ride school buses safe from distracted drivers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi agencies and parents hope kids' bus rides for school will be safer. The State Department of Education and the Mississippi Highway Patrol are working together to make sure students get to and from school safely. It's the goal of a new effort called Operation Stop. The public is being asked to stop their vehicles when buses are loading and unloading students. According to a National Student Transportation Association, nearly 78,000 motorists illegally pass school buses across the country on any given day. Philip Nelson is a transportation coordinator for the Rankin County School District in central Mississippi. As a bus driver, he tells MPB's Ezra Wall he's surprised by how many motorists disregard traffic laws regarding school buses. Well, it's the most important thing is when they're loading the bus is just making sure that they get on safely. Um, then after that, I mean, the bus is the safest transportation mode of transportation to get to school. Um, but then on the hands of the bus drivers, making sure, you know, they're observing all the other motorists and making sure that maintain order on the bus. When you're talking about people who... who... Uh, disregard the stop sign on the side of the bus who even if there is no stop sign you're not supposed to pass a, a bus that's that's working with students on that stopped so so what, are people just disregarding the law or are they distracted most of the time when this is happening or what i think it's going to be a, a mixture of both a lot of times it's just distracted driving just not paying attention they see the bus but then they don't really pay attention to the 
to the stop sign that's out because all of my drivers know they're supposed to activate the amber lights, which is the yellowing lights that flash on top. And then when they come to a stop and they open the door, then that engages the stop sign to come out. So when they see the lights, they are supposed to start slowing down. What I found in driving is a lot of times people see a bus and they're like, I got to get past it or I got to get around it just because, you know, it's going to make me late. So they just in a hurry or just not paying attention. Now, I have seen, because the bus is up higher, I have seen people that have gone past, they're on their phone, and then they'll just look up at me and just, sorry, just give me a wave, and the stop sign's out. But, you know, I mean, a kid, most of the time, most of our stops are door side. So we got a few that do cross the road, but, you know, it's, it's scary. So has the prevalence of this kind of incident increased over the last five years or so with the prevalence of smart technology? Well, I would definitely agree because even though it's, you know, against the law to text and have your phone, I mean, I see it all the time with people texting while they're driving or talking on their phone, just having it out. Um, so I, I've seen an increase, I would say. So the, so the message of the day is is what? Just if you're behind a school bus, stop, don't pass it? Well, now you can. It's okay to pass a bus, but you just got to pay attention if the stop signs out, and if kids are unloading or loading the bus, then you need to be more mindful of what's going on and, and pay attention to that because it is the kids' lives at stake. Well, thank you for your efforts to keep our kids safe, and thank you for talking to me today. Uh, no problem. A key part of Operation Stop is increasing visibility of law enforcement by having officers accompany buses on their morning and afternoon routes. Colonel Chris Gillard is director of the Highway Patrol. He says the number of illegal bus passes put students in danger. Over 30 states did a survey. They conducted a survey. And throughout that survey, there was over 78,000 vehicles that passed stop school bus. Now, that was just at the beginning of this school year. So as you can see, there's a big need for for us to do our part in law enforcement to make sure that our most prized and valuable asset get to school and back home safe every day. So this is literally something that's happening on just about every route every day? Yes, sir, it is. So uh, talking about getting kids to school uh, safely, uh, some of the efforts that were described were this awareness campaign. Some of the efforts that were described were having law enforcement officers trailing school buses as they're driving through their routes. Is that going to be enough? How will you know when this effort is successful? Well, we have to do our part. And uh, as a result, as most people know, visibility is a big part. So we want to make sure that our troopers are out there being more visible. And most of the time when you see a law enforcement officer, you kind of tend to pay a little bit more attention. And and a lot of the accidents that we are seeing that are occurring is because people are are inattentive to, to their driving and to what they're doing. Director of Highway Patrol Chris Gillard with MPB's Ezra Wall. A 2011 law named after the late Nathan Key requires drivers in Mississippi to stop 10 feet away from a stop school bus. Failure to heed the law could result in a $750 fine and a suspended license. Coming up, what's in your drinking water? Find out what researchers say Mississippians need to hear. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Hey, Janice. I've got a 14-year-old daughter. She seems to be really wound up with anxiety and stress. 
I don't know if it's unusual, but we can't. Sometimes I can't even calm her down. She gets so fixated on something. I'm not quite sure what to do as a teenager if they need to go to therapy or some medication. Oh, or that's a great question. I've had three of them, so I I know exactly <laughs> the scenario. You say she's 14. Yes. So she's in 15. the middle of all the hormones and the rest of it. And sometimes kids are just sort of their emotional ups and downs are sort of blown off because they're teenagers and and things are missed. So the first thing when you ha- have a highly agitated and emotionally labile teenager is you have to realize that the part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex that controls spontaneous behavior and mood changes is not fully developed until age 25. So mood changes and impulsive behavior are really sort of programmed into our biology. So some of this is normal. The big things that we worry about are those mood disorders or mood problems, they're not disorders in teenagers frequently, that cause functional problems. And if there are functional problems, then a mood issue becomes a mood problem. For instance, if she's not doing well with her schoolwork, uh, if she's not interacting well with the family, if she's acting out so much that she's disruptive, if she has suicidal thoughts, if there's a depressive element with this, or, or she spends her entire life on the computer. All those kinds of behaviors are all uh, red flags about getting some additional help. And with a 14-year-old, it's a problem because they're in that bridge between uh, the pediatrician and the adult doctor, and sometimes you don't know what to do with them. But I would make sure she doesn't have a medical problem. And hyperthyroidism can cause exactly these sorts of behaviors and is frequently missed in teenagers. So the first thing she needs is to go to a primary care doctor and explain what's going on and let him or her get the appropriate laboratory test, which would be a routine blood count, uh, chemistry panel, and thyroid functions to make sure there's nothing medically involved in this. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians may be surprised to learn what chemicals and contaminants are found in their drinking water. The Environmental Working Group, or EWG, says their tap water database provides information on the quality of drinking water and safety measures. Analysts reviewed data from the state's public water systems. Users can go online, enter their zip code or local utilities name, and find all contaminants detected. The site shows levels of pollutants according to the legal limit set by regulatory agencies and according to scientific limits that analysts suggest is safe. Scientists note tap water can include industrial and agricultural contaminants that have been linked to cancer, brain and nervous system damage, developmental defects and fertility problems. To better protect families, EWG suggests getting in-home water filtration options. Healthy Living Director Nika Leiba tells us why. EWG reached out to all of the state health departments about two years ago. So the utilities do their water quality test, and then they're mandated to send that test to 
the state environmental or public health department. We ask them and they send us that data. And then we just have to clean the data in that we have to make sure the units are consistent. We have to format it. um, And that process can take quite a bit of time. Nationwide, were there any alarming spots? The alarming thing was just the widespread nature of contamination in the nation's drinking water. Certainly, some utilities fare better than others, but most utilities had at least one contaminant above health-based guidelines. This does not necessarily mean that they're above legal limits, but they're above guidelines that scientists deem to be a safe level. What accounts for this? The biggest problem accounting for the widespread nature of contamination in our nation's drinking water is the fact that we do not have adequate source water protection programs. So streams, rivers, etc. are being contaminated by agricultural and industrial activity. And this water is what feeds into our utilities. So the utilities are having to clean up or purify water with excess amounts of contaminants. The utilities are doing the best they can in most cases, and they're able in many cases to get the levels below the legal limits. However, as we're very clear about, the legal limit is not a safe limit. And the legal limit sometimes is hundreds of times higher than what scientists deem safe. How does Mississippi's water compare to the rest of the country? I can see in general that Mississippi has some of the common contaminants found across the nation. Disinfection byproducts, for example, is a big problem in Mississippi, and it's also a problem across the country. But in Mississippi, there are 217 utilities serving just over 1 million people with trihalomethanes above health guidelines. And trihalomethanes form when polluted waters enter the utility and the utility adds chlorine or another disinfectant to try and purify the water. Unfortunately, the polluted matter reacts with the disinfectant and cause these byproducts. So it's an unintended consequence. Is it safe to assume that if there were pollutants, that that would be worse than the chemicals used to treat the pollutants? The pollutants are often worse than the chemicals used to treat the pollutants. But more importantly, water treatment and water disinfection is very important. We need these disinfectants to purify the water. The issue isn't more with the disinfectant. It's the fact that there's so much pollution to begin with. Tell us about some of the effects of the disinfection in the water. More than 250 million Americans ingest these chemicals through water. Human epidemiological studies find that drinking water with these byproducts can increase the risk of developing bladder cancer. As I mentioned before, there is a legal limit for trihalomethanes because it is regulated by the EPA. The legal limit is 80, that's 80 parts per billion. But the level that California's state scientists found to be a safer level to have minimal risk of cancer is 100 times lower than that legal limit, is 0.8 parts per billion. The legal amount is not necessarily safe. Legal does not mean safe. In terms of drinking water, legal absolutely does not mean safe. And most people within the government and the scientific community that works on drinking water 
fully realize that the legal limit is a compromise between health and political and economic interests. But I don't think it's well known by the rest of Americans who are drinking this water. And when they see that their water is within the legal limit, they feel reassured that it means that it's a health-based limit. But in fact, it's not purely a health-based limit at all. So if I'm in Mississippi and I'm looking at my trihalomethane level, what I would want to know is, can this level affect my health? Is this level above or below what scientists have deemed safe? In Mississippi, are there any or were there any chemicals or toxins that came up that would be of significant risk to Mississippians? There are a number of contaminants linked to cancer in Mississippi's drinking water. However, most of these can be drastically reduced with the use of a water filter. There are two main types of water filters. There's reverse osmosis and there's activated carbon. Activated carbon is absolutely a great option to get rid of disinfection byproducts and many of the other contaminants found in Mississippi's water. And the good news is that an activated carbon filter roughly will run you about 20 to $30, depending on the model. Many people know them as the pitcher filters that are in many kitchens. So there is something that your listeners can do readily to protect their families from these chemicals. Nika Leiba is the director of the Living Science Program at Environmental Working Group. Nika, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And thank you for listening today. Listen tomorrow at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at Woodward.